Welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me today, we've got Jameson Maxwell and Ty Lee. And folks, we're here to talk about another Sooner win, fresh off of the bye week, 27-13 to 13 on the road at Ames against Iowa State. Oklahoma comes out with a win. Um, it wasn't pretty at times, but you know what? With this team, with Team 128, that doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is results in, in a lot of cases. But um, Jameson, I'll let you – actually, no, Ty, let's switch this up. J- Ty, I'll let you start with this one. Um, you were obviously pretty bullish on OU really smacking Iowa State. Uh, it, this one wasn't as close as the uh, as the score might have indicated. But what was your um, what was your take on the game, and how did you? Uh, I don't know. How how did you like the performance? Yeah, first let me say excuse me to anyone watching on the video format. As you can see, my my hair is very wet right now. I just went for a little swim in the tears of Iowa State fans swimming in their tears. <laughs> we embarrassed them as predicted. As predicted, we covered the line fourteen times over. That's absurd. We covered 14 times against them. I felt good about the game the whole time. We're going to dive into it a little bit more. Uh, I know there were some some questionable points, but we won the stuff we needed to win. We won the ground game, which is not hard against Iowa State. We won the turnover battle. And overall, there was not a single point in the game where I was worried about the outcome. Um, it, it just really felt really, really solid. And I believe... This is the biggest Iowa State has lost all year. I don't know if we put up the most points on them, but the margin of victory was the biggest that that has occurred to them all year, uh, including uh, I know they've played Texas and uh, a few other few other teams. They've lost to many teams now, but uh, I felt I felt good about it. Yeah, I guess they've lost everyone they played in conference, so I felt good about it. Yeah, no, I mean, I my vibes are very similar. I, I thought it was incredible, and you know. On first watch, you know, uh, we weren't really, I wasn't able to see a ton of, but um, no, overall, it just kind of felt like OU was in control from front to back for the most part, obviously was a bit narrow, but you know, Oklahoma looked like the more complete team. Jameson, your impressions from the big win against the Cyclones. So a lot of people are going to say, oh, there, that was kind of an ugly win, but we got out of there with the W here's where you got to spin that because there's always a positive thing. And what was the biggest question mark in terms of our success as an Oklahoma Sooners football team? It was, it was the defense. There's no doubt about that. Can we stop teams and actually show some competent zone scheme and, you know, put quarterbacks in bad positions? I thought that we actually did that in this game. And versus Kansas, you know, the last game we were like, okay, we can put up some points. You know, if Jeff Levy gets some things firing up and we have our receivers catching balls, we can have a competent, pretty good offense. And then Iowa State, I don't want to go, go too far, kind of like what we did with Nebraska and when we're playing like a less than stellar offense. But the defense showed some things. So if you are an OU pessimist saying like all around we have a lot of you know weaknesses, yes, that's absolutely correct. But at least we've seen one side of the spectrum, good defensive game, and another side of the spectrum, offensive game. So hopefully we can start putting those two together as the season goes on. Yeah, no, no, of course. And, you know, like, like you said, it wasn't a totally great, you know, offensive performance. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the touchdowns we had was um, our kicker. So, you know, had, had to have a little bit of trickery there, but overall, I think it was pretty good. You know, Iowa State as a team, 
you know, this is how they play pretty much every single game. They're scrappy. They're messy. You know, looking at their performance against Kansas, they lost 14 to 11. They lost to a, a, a K-State team that completely ran through Oklahoma State like, you know, I don't know, Taco Bell, like late night Taco Bell on a Friday night. Um, that that K-State team that just killed Oklahoma State. Yeah, you, no, I'm, no, I'm they, just going to say running too. through Taco Bell on a Friday night is a slow process, but Taco Bell runs through you faster in the morning. So I think that's a better reference. I, I think that's what I was trying to get to, and I just didn't do it right. Um, but no, it's it, it it it's a team that will that that can really kind of make you play their game, and oh geez, and naturally, um, naturally OU did that, but I think they did a good job of uh, still exploiting their defense. And we'll, 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 we'll get to that defensive conversation in a bit, but let's talk about OU's defense, which I thought was very good. I think it helped that uh, Iowa State's offensive line was garbage. I think that was kind of the primary initial uh, <laughs> initial start. So, um, Ty, your thoughts about the defense showing out and you know what were they able to do to really break down uh, Hunter Deckers in that uh, Iowa State Cyclone offense? Well, I mean, when we're talking about an OU defense and what an OU defense uh, traditionally doesn't necessarily do that well, at least in recent memory, that we did really well was, and I touched on it in my opening monologue, the turnover battle. Uh, those interceptions were were very, very crucial to uh, the game and sort of the timing that they occurred. So that's one that, that certainly jumps out to me. But Iowa State presents a very you know, one-dimensional threat against you. So even though they put up 300 yards in the air, it was on 57 attempts. Yeah. Deckers had to do everything. Yeah. Like you said, 57 attempts. It was uh, 37 of uh, 57 for three, 308 yards, three picks, one touchdown. Uh, he was also their leading rusher with 31 yards on four carries. Um, so yeah, they're, they're running back stable. Not great. Uh, Cartavius Norton and uh, Jareel Brock. I'm, botched both of those names did not do very well so it, it was easy to stop them I, I would say um they didn't provide much of a threat unless it was like third down or fourth down for some reason but yeah no i, I think the turnover battle definitely definitely changed that um jameson your thoughts yeah if you don't if you take out some of those fourth and longs that iowa state converted we're feeling even better um i kind of hinted about it last week it's this is going to be a good opponent for us coming off the bye week because their run game is anemic. They don't have anything. So really the Sooners honed in at stopping the pass, getting Hunter Deckers in odd spots. And even though he threw like 55 plus times, I think it was like 57 times. Um, you know, he's obviously gonna have some plays. There weren't any too bad of broken off plays where it's like, wow. That guy's way too open. What kind of missed assignment happened? There were some minor missed assignments, but I feel like there's some guys running next to the receivers whenever those happen. So all in all, that's improvement for me for my for my eye test. And obviously still a lot to work on. But going into the Baylor game next week, that's another kind of offense that, you know, their run game with Reese is really strong. Um, but I feel like that they're not super potent to where I feel like it's going to be one step up to see if Oklahoma can take on that next step in terms of their defensive progressions. Yeah, no, I, I, I would, I definitely agree with that. It's, it's kind of building towards, well, I guess Spencer Sanders and Oklahoma state didn't do a lot last week, but uh, building towards that matchup, I think is um, something that, you know, 
that's that's going to be the big big test to see how good this team has become uh or really just kind of how good are they um because Deckers was not good he, he he was forced into a lot of mistakes especially late um it was it was not it was not a good performance overall from Iowa State's offense mm-hmm. and you know Campbell has admitted it that and we kind of foresaw it in the preseason that this was a rebuilding year they're not going to be quite there and they weren't they weren't um, other than you know kind of like you said the the, the busts that happened weren't you know Max Duggan game breaking level busts they were just kind of you know a little annoying which I think is kind of the cap with our defense at some point you know I I, I don't think we're going to see this team be like this elite stopping unit, but you know, they can, they can do what they can do, which, um, you know, cause a little bit of havoc if the offensive line's garbage. So um, I do. Yeah, go ahead. Ty. I do it. want to say real quick. Uh, so a couple things that I forgot uh, to Iowa state's credit, Xavier Hutchinson is, is good. He's good. He was going to get, I think he got 10 receptions against us. Uh, again, nothing too, too crazy. It's not, he didn't necessarily have a game, but he's, He's good, you know, and, and got to give him credit for that. And then on the topic of the fourth downs specifically, you know, there's nothing inherently special about fourth down. It's frustrating when we don't get those those fourth down stops. But a lot of the times, you know, fourth down, unless it's right on the goal line and you're in a, a short yarded situation, it's really just another down. You know, the stakes are a little bit higher for the offense, and, and certainly that plays into the pressures and stuff. But it's really it's a it's another down. So I understand them converting a couple fourth downs, especially when they were sort of fourth and and longer situations, is definitely frustrating. But you you have to remember that it's it's really it's just another. There's nothing inherently special about them. So it's they are really a, a chance thing, and it's that they're going to pull out their best stuff, you know, offensively, schematically, and stuff for a fourth down. So it's I don't necessarily know if I'm really. This is sort of. OU coping or something here, but I, I didn't read too much into those. You know, those are just sort of a, a luck thing in my book. Yeah, I mean, I here's here's the thing with that. And it's that's just the eye of the beholder. And shout out Grady Tree Cole in the comments. He wanted to shout out. Um, oh yeah, had to shout to out Tree. Whole, um gonna be listening in Maui tomorrow. So that's gonna be pretty cool. But hey, um the thing is people are gonna always remember the fourth downs. Obviously, those are the money downs. Um, those are the whenever people they go right, people remember them. They go wrong, people talk about them. I mean, y'all hear me as a Chargers fan, the NFL. People can't stop talking about Brandon Staley because that's all they can talk about is fourth down choices. It's very prominent on people's minds. So whenever it doesn't go your way, it's going to be continuously talked about. And hopefully, um, you know, that's not a replicating theme. Like I feel like last year it was a huge theme that this team could not get off the field on third and long and fourth downs. We said it continuously this year. I haven't seen that theme. So let's not try to bark up that tree too much. Um, I think we really need to highlight moving into the Stevens kind of breaking down position group. I was really proud of how the safeties played. And I think the safeties were the reason that we didn't have as many bust in coverage. And there was at least, if there was a long passing play, at least there's someone running by to make that stop. I've got to give it up to Justin Broyles. Obviously had an interception. I thought he played a good game. Key Lawrence looked like he was, you know, always in the right spot. I feel like he did a really good job in coverage. Um, and then we got to see uh, a little bit of uh, Billy Bowman too. He didn't start right off the bat, but just seeing him out there just made me feel good. That safety group looked like our strongest unit. Yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt, they were in the right places. They were just playing really tight. They they played Hutchinson very 
very well, even though he is, you know, obviously larger, a little bit better. Um, they still made it difficult for them all day uh, for him to have a massive, massive impact. Um, but no, seeing Bowman out there, I clearly not his best performance, but like just seeing him out there, you know, obviously you got to shake off some rust. It takes time. Um, but my God, Justin Broyles for a guy who we've all kind of, I know maybe not us, the schooner pod, but a lot of people have kind of dogged on him for not being that great. I, which, you know, Maybe maybe that's a, a you know we something we let slip through the cracks or anything, but it was good to see him uh, step up and have just a really really big time performance. Um, and yeah, no, uh, Ty, your thoughts on the safety? I was just gonna say I really love the I love the spin that you put on something. If we miss a take, just completely don't notice it at we all. We talked and about don't bros. criticize a player. It's not that we miss the take; it's that. We're a pro player podcast. We would never <laughs> No, we're not. We, we saw it. We just didn't say. No, I know that's, I, I know we did touch on it. I, some people, you know, you have your little bits that you sort of latch onto and, and have to commit to. But yeah, it, defensively, again, I, I'm going to kind of pull it back to the, the big team picture before Jameson takes it here again. But uh, excluding those three fourth downs that I think we've, we've sort of beaten the dead horse on that. Um, they only converted on seven third downs out of the the 20 that they had. So we did really, really good there, especially for this OU team. And then again, we sort of touched on it, but just to throw out the actual number, because it's amazing, we held them to 66 rush yards the entire game. And they only had 13 points. We, we got to remember that. So this was a, a really, really, really solid performance. Obviously, a bit of an easier opponent when you're looking at the the offensive presentation that they that they show you almost like maybe they're a video game NPC on easy mode, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, it was a really, really stellar uh, performance. And I think the fact that if you listen to us pretty regularly, you'll know that we very frequently go off on these little bits and probably give single plays or single players that maybe have a bad time defensively, a lot more airtime than, than maybe is appropriate for the, the segment. And the fact that we don't have those, we don't have those joke segments or those segments that we can make, you know, little bits off of or, or point to is a really, really, really good thing for this OU team. You're right. We never, we never make bits here and we never have mortal enemies. No, on the, on we've the never been negative scene. towards, <laughs> never, a bit never been negative towards any OU player ever. Speaking, no, speaking of which I, DTY game ball, are we, are we thinking Turner yell game ball? Is he still on the, in the NFL? Oh yeah. Is he on a yeah hopefully squad he's, hopefully he's still in the NFL. I want to give <laughs> okay. him it. He gets a legacy game ball for this one. His Good. spirit was felt out, out there. I think the Justin Broyles hate, though, kind of stems from, you know, he's obviously been here for five years, and um, it kind of had that Eric Swinson type of feel where it's like, why is this veteran, highly liked guy getting minutes over these younger guys that I feel like have more skill? Because we were waiting for Key Lawrence in the ranks. You know, we wanted Billy Bowman to get out of the nickel back and – we had all these guys that we had fallen in love with that were a little bit newer, but you know, Justin bros just adds consistency and he just kind of has that it factor that, you know, not a lot of people take that into account whenever they're looking at, it. obviously he has a lot of breaks in coverage, but you know, he has a lot of plays where he's in the right spot and he makes a good tackle. So this is one of those games. I thought that you can put on the good side. I think with Ty, what he said is a good transition moving into the linebackers. Um, the whole defense played really well on stopping, you know, like third down and then also stopping the run. And 
we saw more four-man front on the defensive line. And the linebackers, they played into their strengths. They're great at stopping the run. Danny Stutzman, Danny Ugu- um, um Danny Stutzman and Danny Uguebu. Um, but uh, uh, essentially, they, they're defensive linebackers that don't like to play coverage that much. But then, you know, Danny Stutzman got himself an interception. So good for him. But he was the reason they converted one of the fourth down. So still not our strongest unit, but some things to kind of take into account. Like that wasn't as bad of a game as we've seen from the linebackers the past three games. Absolutely not. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think the biggest thing for me is seeing a lot of, you know, TFLs. Um, Deshaun White had himself a damn game for uh, 14 total tackles, 10 solos, and then 1.5 uh, tackles for loss. That's that really sheet of position just eats it. They just yeah. eat so much. Yeah. If, if they get in a situation where they can apply a ton of pressure and the O-line doesn't do a ton, I know I keep saying it like I'm a damn parrot here, but it it, it really is night and day when you play. We need pressure unit. so yeah. bad. It, it changes the entire that. game. Oh, it changes the entire game. And that's that that's when the pressure was up. That's when you saw Deckers make mistakes because naturally that's what happens when a quarterback faces pressure. But um, yeah, that 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 linebacking unit was very very good very very good maybe not very very good but it was you know it was good it was good for what, we, yeah, they, what we've seen in the past they played weeks. better than what they have in the past you know danny stutzman still has a lot of coverage breakdowns where he misses the receiver like that touchdown fourth and 12 and the goal on in the red zone was his fault but he had moved took one step and he got into the pass and only got an interception so you gotta you gotta praise him on his positives you can't just harp on all of his negatives absolutely Absolutely. Ty, your thoughts on the uh, linebacking core? Yeah, I think uh, Oki Traits on the YouTube comments mentioned it uh, when he said he was happy to see that, that Stutzman was able to turn things around. I think part of that is having, well, part of it is Iowa State not really being that great, especially their offensive line. So that's going to make things look better, like we've mentioned. But part of it is when you can have a, a more complete uh, defensive team out there when when the other elements of the defense are clicking then you really don't start to notice those those single points of failure because if if nothing is failing then you don't have a single point of failure and it's it sort of in some of his performances I think because people latch on to to the name and to the brand and, and a bit to the hype of him I, I think a lot of people painted him as sort of a Kenneth Murray against Army that one year situation where if you just went and looked at the stats uh, he was sort of doing a one-man army thing, pun intended, against <laughs> Army out there and, and sort of holding the defense together with his performance. And and that's not necessarily the level that Stutzman's at right now. So it certainly helps his individual performance when the other bits of the field are also uh, performing super well. Some of that is, like we touched on, guys coming back from injuries and and uh, some of that is coming down to, you know, everyone around him also performing well. And then, like I think Bobby just touched on, or, or maybe Jameson right when they were doing their intro segment, but we have these these guys that aren't necessarily coverage linebackers in a lot of situations where we're sort of having to have them play coverage, whether that's a, a triage situation because of, of personnel issues on our defense or whether that's a coaching staff not necessarily understanding how to best employ the talent that we have or something in between. Uh, but it, I think what we saw here in this game also was a scheme that was much more suited to Danny Stutzman specifically, but then all the linebackers, their talents. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. When you're able to go out and get after people, you know, um, like you said, like you said, a scheme, 
the, the scheme we had before was very obviously go as fast as you can hit people. So having the ability, ability to do that and have it be successful against a team like that, 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 that helps. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, like, I mean, shoot, David Equebu, love him. But at the same time, it's it's just so painful watching him have to have to do any sort of pass coverage in the second level. He's just kind of a he's kind of like, a, I don't know, a traffic cone. And here's my thing. I think that obviously they aren't the best, but our defensive line doesn't do them any favors in the passing game. Our pass rush is just miserable. And obviously we have a lot of things that we can like. Our, I feel like our safety play last game really made up for it. But when you're having to put in guys like R. Mason Thomas and like Grayson Halton just to get a little bit more speed on the defensive line, it's like you've got a problem. Those are true freshmen. Ethan Downs and um and oh my gosh, Reggie Grimes. I almost blanked on his name. Reggie Grimes, because that's honestly that's how much we've been talking about them recently. Uh they just don't have speed around the edge. And a bull rush isn't gonna work all the time whenever you're playing against Big 12 um offensive linemen. You know, Ethan Downs and Reggie Grimes could do that whenever they're playing against Kent State's offensive line. Um, but it's a different story now. And, you know, K-State couldn't get any pressure because that's really good offensive line. Iowa State's got a pretty decent one. And if you give the quarterback those extra two seconds that they shouldn't be having because our defensive line can't get pass pressure and an obvious pass down on third down, they're going to make plays and the coverage is going to break down in a zone. The zone is designed, you know, to hold tight for just as long as possible for the pass rush to get there. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh, it, it, it can be a little binge don't break at that point because, you know, like you said, it has a lot of space and, you know, I, I think that's, um, I think that's the thing that we've done better at is whenever it does break down and we don't get to, you know, we don't get to the quarterback, the ability to like, you know, go in, still hit them, etc., um, has been improved because uh, I mean, look at it. Look, look at TCU. They they would just rip, you know, long ones off on us, and it just it's not perfect yet. But I think it can get a little bit better. And in terms of the the D line applying pressure, that's I mean, that's one hundred percent it. You have to you have to have to have to have pressure in, a, in the uh, the bendable system, or else it you know just crumbles, um, and you know, I, I will say Downs did have three tackles, uh, two solos. I know someone was asking if he had a tackle. He he, he got involved. He uh, was one of the more successful D linemen uh, in that game. Actually, uh, he only was behind George. Uh, sorry, uh, Jonah Lualu uh, in total tackles for the D line. So that's um, not encouraging. But Ty, your thoughts? Yeah, I I think part of it, when we're looking at just the defensive line and the number of tackles that they registered, part of it that you also have to consider, again, is that uh, I don't know how many plays Iowa State ran in total, but they they passed most of the time. So there wasn't a whole lot of opportunities for them uh, to get get tackles necessarily. But uh, again, I I think it's maybe a little bit... 84 snaps for Iowa State. Yeah, so 84 snaps and 57 were were pass plays. Uh, and I don't actually, it, this is on me, kind of embarrassing. I don't know if if it's registered as a pass play when we got a sack or not. And, but yeah, well, you're taking plus or minus QB a runs. So you'd add this yeah. QB runs with it. So you say 57 passes, and then you had four runs with one of them being a sack. So 61 pass plays out of 84. So they only ran the ball 23 times. Like they knew their run game is not good, 
And obviously that's one of the positives of our defensive line. They're so big and they don't have speed around the edge. They can't stop them. So you're exactly right, Ty. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's all we got for the defense. J- Jameson, any, any final points before we move on to game balls? Uh, Ty, did you have anything else to say on that? Um, I just was kind of talking back and forth with you. No, no. I Really, when it gets to defensive line, I don't really know what we're talking about. So kind of the goal is to say something that's going to get one of you guys to to take it, which is sort of what occurred. So that was <laughs> best case scenario no, that's okay. for that's me. Okay. But the, the, here's, here's the great thing. Behind the curtain, you've now seen the uh, the Wizard of Oz to be who he really is. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm happy with that defensive play. I understand Iowa State's broken goods. Um, but – I think that just in terms of what this defense mental health is holding a team to 13 points and six points heading into that um, or no touchdowns heading in to that fourth quarter is a huge confidence boost going into a big game Baylor on Saturday. Um, Even if it wasn't perfect in every single aspect of it, these defense guys have been getting like absolutely destroyed getting 40 plus points. And then didn't you say that last week, Ty, like 40 plus points or something in the past three games or something. You know, it's yeah. they needed to see a low scoring game to get more confident and come out with some energy at home. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Especially on the so, road, you know, getting a performance like that, you know, going in and, you know, I mean, it, it was it was really good. It was a really good defensive performance. So um, and you, wanna, there is ahead, I was just going to say there's nothing wrong with going out and and beating around uh, broken goods. I mean, that's Logan Paul's entire boxing career. So <laughs> and he's made millions. So if we can just continue to to go out and, and beat around broken goods teams, uh, I'm happy with it. Talk about NPCs. It's like, this is like a break room. Like, here's Iowa State. Would you like to break it? And I'm like, yes, I would like <laughs> to break it. Thank you very much. That's so funny. I, Iowa but- State's Big 12 record at this point has gotten to be one of those um, – what is it called? Money, money making. I can't even think of the fundraising. It's one of those fundraising things where a high school will buy an old beat up car for like $500. And then for $20, <laughs> they'll let you beat it around with a bat a little bit. That's Iowa state. Hey, but they almost oh, yes. beat Texas. Let's not forget about that. Um, they, but they've, but they, they've had good performances, I guess they're, uh, I, I I'm looking forward to Wednesday where we can ask Blake if he thinks that, uh, he thinks West or he thinks Iowa state is still good. They're not that bad. Um, but anyways, they're, they're, uh, they're sneaky scrappy. That's, that's all we can say about them now. Um, that's fair. game ball, Bobby. Um, I'll just go ahead and start. Um, we didn't yeah. really talk about him, but I think the turnovers were the biggest things for this game. And I think Broyles and, uh, Danny Stutzman's were, they were kind of just there. And I mean, Broyles, he dove for a little bit, but it was a bad pass. I think Woody Washington's interception was the most impressive out of the three. So I'm going to give him the game ball. I thought it was really good coverage. Um, you know, he stayed with his man, turned to the ball, had, got it at its high point. I was I was impressed with Woody Washington, and obviously I was impressed with the majority of the secondary, but I'll, I'll give it to Woody because I think that was the most impressive play of the day. Yeah, I was genuinely shocked that that stood, by the way. Um, but yeah, it, yeah. it, it was very impressive. Oh, well. But I no, I, I was cool. I was just like, when I saw it on replay, uh, or on, on the instant replay, I was like, oh my God, that's that that's going to get overturned. You know, that's I'm, I'm glad it happened. Uh, Ty, your game ball. I think Jamison brought up a really, really interesting, really good point when he mentioned that we didn't even talk about him. And I guess I do have one little quick segment. It's 
that's what I love about this defensive performance is my game ball is also a guy that we didn't at all talk about. And statistically, he was our leading defender. And I think that as OU fans, it's almost one of those things where, at least personally, you know, I'm a very offensively focused football fan when it comes to OU. And I think a lot of other OU fans are that way just because how OU has been since the start of the Bob Stoops era. Uh, I think we sort of view defense as a thing that's like, okay, their job is to just get the offense on the field as fast as possible again. Um, So my game ball is going to Deshaun White, who we didn't talk about, but had a, a really, really solid game, I thought, in watching it. And he has a really solid game when you look at his his stats. 14 total tackles. 10 of them were solo. That is a tremendous stat. Although you could point to the fact that, hey, you know, why is a linebacker have 10 to- <laughs> solo tackles? What is your D-line doing? Uh, and then 1.5 tackles for a loss. So I think he had a great game. And I, I just thought it was really interesting when, when Jamison mentioned, hey, we didn't talk about this guy. Because OU's second leading defender was Jamison's game ball who we also didn't talk about. So I guess, you know, pointing out our inherent bias, we do necessarily almost always point at failures of the defense. We didn't really have any this game. So I maybe second game ball to the fact that we didn't have any big screw-ups. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I think as a unit, the team kind of got, got a game ball. But I'm going to go with uh, J- uh, Justin Broyles just because of, you know, everything he has kind of dealt with this season, not looking great. And it was a really good, really solid mental win for him. And hopefully he can continue that uh, performance, roll it over. Um, I also really liked Deshaun White. I was going to go with him if Ty didn't pick him. But uh, I want to spread the love out here because I thought there were some really good performances across the board. So, um, yeah, go Justin Broyles with mine. So Your kicker is lining up for an onside kick. The chances of regaining possession, they're slim. The stakes are high, and that tension is even higher. Your pulse is racing. He kicks, and you watch as the ball lands. Okay, yeah, like, make every play feel that exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. So check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. And to make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. So, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any NFL game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for details. Uh, all right. Do we want to move on to the offense now? Uh, Please look, do. 27 points. Doesn't look that impressive. I know on paper probably, but here's the thing. Iowa state's defense is really, really good. Uh, I think anyways, and they gave OU a couple fits here and there. Um, but ultimately I thought they pre- performed very, very well. Uh, Jameson, you've been critical of Levy, uh, and the OU offense, uh, quite a bit this year. Uh, but, um, I don't know. What, what did you think of this performance? Did, are you pleased or are you still mad? Let's let it be known that in the first half, we wouldn't have had a touchdown if it wasn't for a fake field goal. So that's frustrating. And yes, give credit to the Iowa State defense. That's their strong point. They've got a great defensive line that had a good battle with their off, um, offensive line that this season, man, 
do you remember our podcast at the beginning of the season when we were freaking out about our offensive line? Uh, that's not even a thought anymore. And it feels so good to have the most important position on the field, have a sense of stability. Um, but still, there was a couple of things on that offense that just didn't sit right with me. I, I'm not, I don't think Marvin Mims going to have another game like that where he drops those balls. Um, that's just, that's just going to happen. Um, game completely different if he doesn't drop a couple of those balls. And obviously that first one at the beginning of the game was heartbreaking. Um, but there, there was a couple of questionable things from Jeff Levy, the, the running down, uh, running on third and long and four down territory, but then immediately sending out the kicker after running on third and long. I understand in college, you can catch some people sleeping and, but that's one of those things where you go for it. If you run on third and long, just didn't really make too much sense for me. But all in all, I mean, I'm pretty happy with what the offense is. I don't have too many bad things to say about it. Um, and I, I've started to see that I can really tell how much better our offense and our play calling is on the on at home um, versus on the road. I just feel like we've been very conservative in our play calling on the road. Um, and I don't know if that's a strategy, but it really hasn't worked the best so far. But it will work against a team like off, uh, Iowa State. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. I don't think we, you know, exactly pulled out every stop in the world, but I don't think we needed to. Um, and I honestly think the offensive performance, like you said, Mim, if Mims doesn't have probably the worst performance I've seen him play, uh, I think OU breaks this game open. Um, there are a couple times just wide open, changes the ball game. Uh, just even if you add, like I'm thinking of two specific catches, you know, if he catches those, this thing I think gets even worse. It looks like uh, we're for forgetting State. about it. A hold on that first one, um, on that uh, first drop that that we're taking it back. But still, like it just for the principle, like we won. You just you got to think about the the what if of that if he would have caught those. It, it obviously, oh, yeah. well, our whole podcast would be different. Oh yeah, yeah, and we don't want to. You know, it, it's still a good performance. We don't we don't want to complain. It just was wasn't perf- it wasn't perfect. Um, I will uh, let's okay. Yeah, I will say. Uh, just talking about receivers though, Jalil Farouk had himself a damn game, um, that obviously, you know, the touchdown he had, he was in a totally open space, but he's really good. Um, and I just progressed too quickly. I apologize, Ty. What was your thoughts on the OU offense as a whole? I, um, eh, I don't know. I'm a little worn out after Halloween. I liked what I saw from this offense. I, I think Dylan Gabriel had a really, really, really good game. Uh, for him, I think it was a like we touched on with the defense. I think this was an important confidence building game for the offense as well to sort of get back in that rhythm. They had that really big, obviously really impressive explosion against Kansas of of performance and of scoring to sort of get us out of that rut that we were in. And I think that this was a really important game for the offense as well in terms of getting back in that rhythm because what we saw in this game that we didn't necessarily see as much in Kansas is some things did, you know, not go our way. Like we talked about with Mims having issues. I kind of think not all of those were drops. Some of those like, you know, Michael Whitman touched on in the, in the YouTube comments, maybe there was a hold. I, I didn't notice a hold, but it certainly didn't look catchable to me that first one. And so there, there were some other things at, at play there, but Mims certainly looked like he was just off when it showed him up close I uh, definitely looked very, very frustrated, very worn out, worn out. So who knows there, but um, you touched on it briefly, Bobby. The the one thing that really jumped out to me on this offense when I was watching the game was 
Jaleel Farouk. I, I think the stats are the stats are good, but the stats don't do it justice. I mean, he had two carries uh, for 26 total yards and then four receptions for 74 yards and a touchdown with a long of a, a 41-yard uh, reception and a long of a 20-yard run. But the the timing and, and the way he was being employed in the system and, and by Levy and just sort of creative employments and in movements and situations was very, very impressive. And then his size, that is one thing that you can sort of point to uh, with Mims is not necessarily small, but he's not as big as, as Farouk is. And that certainly opens things up a little bit more uh, when you're looking at, at ways that you want to employ that talent. So I, I think Jaleel Farouk certainly needs to, to get a shout out. And then he sort of wasn't as present later on, but uh, Drake Stoops had another good, good game a really really good drake stoops mr reliable and yeah yeah, he just goes out there and does what you need him to do and another guy that it just feels like with jaleel farouk obviously had a flashy one but drake stoops always strikes me as it's just it's reliable and it always comes around when you need it and i think what i'm getting into in, in total here with this offense is what i saw from the offense and not even touching on gray having a 100 plus yard game and and us doing really good on the ground. What I saw here was sort of the the idea for the OU offense I want to see going forward. Obviously, there's tons of things that we can point to and say we want to polish up, but we had creative, inventive, and and pretty well-employed play calling, I felt like, with the fake field goal and with the Wildcat touchdown. Uh, We employed a lot of our talent in really neat ways, like I touched on with Farouk. And then Dylan Gabriel is, is fitting a role much more what I like to see from him in this OU offense of a guy who's there to get the ball to the talent makers, whether that be gray or whether that be one of the receivers. So I really liked the direction that it seemed we're going in here. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It was a, it was a really encouraging offensive performance across the board. Uh, Very balanced. I felt like, Um, you know, I I believe there are 27 passing attempts and 47 rushing attempts here. So it's not really too balanced. (laughs) Maybe not too, maybe not. Okay. Maybe not too balanced, but like in terms of, uh, in in terms of yardage, you know, 150 to 182. So in terms of impact. So uh, the running game wasn't as productive as the passing game. (laughs) Hey, hey, can I, can I say this though, Bobby? Because I know that you are, you are really, you were a big hater on this a couple weeks ago. Can we come out and say that we like the wildcat now? Because if Dylan Gabriel is our quarterback mm-hmm. and he's not hurt, I'm all wildcat. Put Jalil Farouk back there. He's a playmaker. Uh, Eric Gray in the goal line. Yeah. There's no more gas that are needed from OU fans when they hear wildcat. That's just, that's a little bit of an acute stress disorder from you. You had a little bit of a traumatic event and you're like having flashbacks to, oh God, that Texas game. But now the wildcat change of pace. I've only seen positive from it. I haven't seen anything negative from it since that game. It's been fun and give Farouk the ball anytime that he can. I'm all for it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Farouk is, he's, he's so damn dynamic. I And I'm with you. I like the wildcat. This version of it is way better, you know, uh, because you're not completely removing Dylan Gabriel. You're not completely removing a quarterback from the equation and it's, you know, not so one dimensional. Um, you know, there, there, there would be times where Gabriel's like, you know, run a little motions and stuff. It's, it, it really opens up a lot. And, you know, if anything, I would be down to see more of it. I, I feel like they kind of underutilized it um, because, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I felt like there are some times where, you know, in short yardage situations that I'm like, where's the wild card or what wild card? Where's the wildcat? We should probably use the wildcat. And it, um, I think down the stretch, they had a couple of good, good moments w- with it. But um, 
no, I, I I'm with you. I co-signed the, the I, I, I'm all in on the wild uh, the wildcat here. Um, so, I wish I could build a time machine and take that segment back to right after Red River Bobby when I was trying to tell you that exact thing. Although, like Jameson touched on, you know, the wildcat it's kind of like a a nice, super delicious, super sweet dessert. It's good when you have it here and there, right when you need it. But when it's all you're doing, you know, you can't have it for every meal, which is sort of maybe what we saw a little bit against Texas. In the Wildcats defense, because I have been a Wildcat defender since Red River, uh, I believe we had a Wildcat touchdown against Kansas as well. So uh, I have to go back. This was not our first Wildcat touchdown since um, that Red River game. So the Red River uh, one, we didn't have any, sadly. Well, I mean, because so, no oh, yeah, one was, yeah. no one, yeah. but, you know, I'm sure there were other people that were wildcat positive after that besides me, but, yes. um, yeah, but I, it's great coping like Jameson. On our end. Let's forget. No, <laughs> Let's forget well, it's not, it's not coping on my end. I'm trying to point to one of my older takes uh, that was up in the air and say, haha, I was right. But, um, <laughs> it, Jameson, you, you touched on sort of the thing that I touched on, uh, when it came to, you know, liking how we saw the wildcat employed. Uh, I think that maybe a little bit is Jeff Levy kind of finding his comfort zone and finding when is the right time to do some of these things versus what we saw earlier in the season maybe was a little bit of all of these plays were here. You know, we had, this was our second successful fake kick. Obviously the other one wasn't for a touchdown. We converted that, that fourth down uh, in whatever game that was, I don't recall, but we, we've had these tricks sort of all season, but it seems like our timing and just figuring out when we need to employ these has gotten better in addition to the personnel that we're using to, to do it, which is sort of another mm. thing that we've touched on. Yeah, yeah I, I completely, I, I agree with that. Um, here's my qualms with Jeff Lebby's within the passing game and the passing game only. Um, but I'll say this, and I, I think a couple of people would talk to me about that whenever we were watching it on Saturday. Um, there was a couple more th- times where I saw Dylan Gabriel make more progressions. Um, it wasn't just as cookie cutter as we've seen in the past. Maybe, just maybe, we're starting to get more trust in Dylan Gabriel the way he's played um, since coming back. That Kansas game, even though he turned the ball over three times, he had a lot of things that can you know, provide trust between the relationship and Jeff Levy to where he can start going through progressions and not only doing, you know, it seems like there's always these little bubble screens and or it's a deep route. There's, there's not really too many in-betweens right now. Um, but I think we're getting there and hopefully that's a positive. I, it's crazy that we've only barely as a transition talked about Eric gray and like passing so far. Cause that dude, he looks like he is the cog that makes our offense work. Whenever he went out for a little bit with his injury, it just seemed like our offense seemed a little sleepy and lethargic comes back in he just pops off. Like he is by far our best player on offense and there's no question about it. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. And we've, I, I think we kind of made that distinction last week, but it's just, it just got solidified again this week. It's Eric Ray is just incredible. Um, I will say a little concerned about his injury. He looked pretty shaken up at the end of the game there. Um, yeah. Hopefully he's fine. He's probably just. I fine. mean, it, it could be like a little nagging thing, but let's just like read between the lines on it. If he got hurt during that game and they pulled him and put him back in and he continued to play and then he like re hurt it a little bit, 
that makes you think like that initial injury wasn't too concerning. So, you know, you never know how people react in terms of swelling in terms of, you know, the next day, obviously adrenaline reacts with different people in different ways. Um, but it makes me think that it's not a serious injury that I, I'm not too concerned about the long-term effects of it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Ty, your thoughts on gray. Yeah, he had a really good game. I, he had that fumble. We have to address it. Uh, which just sort of, I mean, that can happen sometimes. Obviously there are backs who just never fumble it, but um, he, he bounced back from it. You know, that was very early on in the game and he went on to it. it that did not seem to affect him sort of in his, his psyche or in his, his running ability at all. And he had, like we said, I guess a hundred plus yards at one one So barely, but uh, that, that uh, counts. And then his long was only a 15, but he, he had a really, really solid game, I feel like, especially once it got uh, towards the end of the game when we moved to, to more of a, a clock management type thing, and then we started to to feed him a little bit more. Uh, he just looked solid. I, I know his average per carry was over uh, 5. Well, 5.1, so again, oh, just barely. It's but gone it down, damn. Um, oh, shucks. But, uh, yeah, it was. I th- he had a really, really solid game, and he's really – He's what you need from a, a running back. When I look at this performance uh, from Eric Ray for OU against Iowa State here, it reminds me of what a lot of people look for in like an NFL running back. Uh, and it's almost something that, that not to continue to dig up old takes, but it, it, the way he was employed in this game sort of reminds me a little bit of what we had talked about early in the season of preseason about what we sort of expected a little bit from Levy when it came to employment of things. Maybe it's not always necessarily trying to get that big play, trying to get that touchdown, trying to convert. There are some plays that we're going to see that maybe are, are designed to open things up or get the defense to react, you know, keep doing something until they have to react and that opens up something else. Uh, and then keeping sort of on topic of, of gray, but uh, the run game as a whole, there certainly were, we have to mention that I know we, we dabbled on it a little bit earlier, but there certainly were some, some run plays in, in situations where we were like, huh, why is gray taking it up, up the middle here? What's going on? Uh, but that you cannot fault gray for that. You know, he, he gets handed the rock and gets told to go forward and he does that very reliably. And, and that's what you need from a running back really. And, and, uh, not to get too political, but you know, a higher power knew that he was too powerful to be on this Tennessee team. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's good get for him. everyone that he has transferred to OU uh, Don't a couple us. years ago. Yeah. Oh no. Uh, Bobby, well, I, have you, do, would you like to go out and make a statement about? Uh, I don't know if he'd still be eligible. Political on our podcast. Oh God, do we? Do we? I, I don't know if anyone's run into it, but uh, yeah, no, we accidentally. Uh, did not change the Spotify filter on ours to not include political ads. So uh, we have received reports of. We um, ain't talking about it. Uh uh-uh. uh. We've we've received reports of. Uh, yeah, just it, it's not happening anymore, and we're sorry if you're offended. We don't support <laughs> any candidate, uh, especially not in you know not the state of Oklahoma. So I, I legitimately my least favorite thing to talk about. So I'm I'm very glad that's <laughs> off. Game ball for me. I I mean it just has to be Eric Gray. I mean, if I could give it to the offensive line, I could. I've given one to Anton Harrison before. Um, but I think the offensive line as a whole played really well. So I'm just not going to give it to a whole position group. Give it to Eric Gray. Like Ty said, you know, the fumble is a bummer. Obviously, that's a, a momentum, momentum shifter. 
But as I mentioned, it just seemed like whenever he's in the game, we just are so much more dynamic. Um, so just based on the eye test, I'm going to give it to him. I'm yeah, I'm going to be boring and also give it to him. He's just he, he how gray goes. So do the Sooners like that, that. That is how important he is. He completely changes the offense, completely changes his team. He's excellent. Yeah, well, we don't we don't currently have a quarterback that you can rely on to be the the oh, one God. man show or that. No, I'm not trying to oh, do okay, the bit. Sorry, sorry, good I'm point, not trying good to point, do the bit. Like that we, is a good point. That we need point. we need a complete offense. We need like like we sort of talked about with the the Levy scheme. You know, we want that threat to be out there. We want to have that that sort of dilemma where if you fully counter this, we're going to hit you with this. And we need that with with uh, Dylan Gabriel, who had a really good game. I'm not trying to do one of my Dylan Gabriel bits. I'll save that for uh, the Baylor bit. But uh, yeah, we need him. I'm going to go Julio Farouk, uh, like we talked about. He he just had a really, really good game. I know his stats bear it out. I've sort of said all this before, but if, if you watch the game or if you go back and rewatch the game or rewatch, if you rewatch one of those little highlight bits where it's just spliced up to just good OU plays, sometimes you got to sort of pay attention to like the score and the clock and, and everything else at the bottom to sort of understand the context. But he was really, really good, had a really good game. But the, the context, the timing of those really good plays was also really important. You know, nothing game breaking, but just really solid when it really mattered. Uh, so I'm going to I'm going to zag a little bit. And go with Julio Farouk. I think that's a good worthy zag for sure. For sure. All right. Uh, let's try to do a little bit of preview for this week's game. Oklahoma and Baylor in Norman. Uh, this game. Oh um, God, Bobby! Bobby is excited because he gets to use his ESPN Plus subscription. Oh. Man, he saw the ESPN Plus next to two o'clock, and he goes, "Oh yeah, buddy, we so get a excited. two for one this season." I thought we were only getting one OU game on ESPN Plus. We're getting two. I'm thrilled. <laughs> what does uh, that mean? What does that mean for this football team? Because I think this is a pretty good game. Obviously, you know, um, it's very disappointing teams in the Big Twelve, but. What does that mean for like the, our football program right now that they're putting on ESPN Plus? Is that a positive saying they know they're going to get their viewers either way and they're kind of just skirting it because um, they're going to get good viewers on the national televised games and they know that OU fans are going to buy ESPN Plus to watch it? Or is this like the, you know, the public just doesn't think OU is as interesting anymore? I, man, I don't know. It's I, I think it's an indictment on the public's interest in the Big 12. Um that's so the only game that is on a major network, uh, Fox, for example, uh, is um, TCU Texas Tech. The rest are on FS1 or ESPN Plus. And I'll tell you this I'd rather be on ESPN Plus than FS1. That is a garbage network. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I think it has, has to say more about the big what? I had to pay $10 for ESPN Plus today because I wanted to watch the London NFL game and I knew I'd want to watch the game. <laughs> you know, next week, whenever I'm not being able to attend, I had to pay $10. I don't care about FS1. I don't care who's commentating or, you know, the camera crew. I don't want to deal buying $10 what? for a conference game. Like, really? Well, J- James said, I'm already paying for ESPN Plus, though. So I'm happy well, we about know it. that you've already gobbling well, up all the ESPN you, Plus, like, well, whatever, the, propaganda. Well, Jameson, the Carabao Cup is coming up. How am I supposed to watch the Carabao Cup with no ESPN Plus? I I, I need the the multiple hey, I angles. I need the video of Thad Turnip Seed running around in a '69 jersey. All of those things make it very worth it for me, buddy. But uh, no, no, Ty, your, your your thoughts on the ESPN Plus uh, situation? 
So I have, I have two important points that need to be addressed. One is, is this is just the nature of dealing with TV contracts driving uh, when your game times are. It's Tennessee, Georgia, you know, one versus two. The the in-season national championship game is also at uh, two o'clock. It's a 2.30 kick. So that one, that one was going to be rough to compete with uh, for anyone. And then uh, we had a... a Oregon, a, a top 10 team playing a one win Colorado and then uh, Michigan State, Illinois, and then Penn State, Indiana, sort of wrapping up the other big network uh, two o'clock games, which Penn State, believe it or not, I never knew this, has the largest alumni base of any actual university uh, in the U.S., which is kind of crazy. You you wouldn't guess. But um, so it was sort of rough competition when you're looking at it the way the networks look at it, because they're looking at eyes on screens you know the number next to the team helps or, or the brand but it's always going to be hard to compete against those big sort of big 10 schools even if they aren't that impressive uh, and then an in-season national championship that's not a an alabama game is just unheard of nowadays so that that one was always going to be a lot of hype but it, personally i'm not upset because i really think the the only other realistic option was probably us being on regular tv at, at one of the 11 o'clock time slots. So for a, for a fan experience thing, you know, we haven't had a, a game in Norman for a couple of weeks now. Uh, I was worried. I was worried all before this thing was announced that I was going to see an 11 AM, uh, which I was not happy with. So I would have liked for it, for it to be later, but uh, I can't complain about to what this says for the brand or, or sort of relevance. I don't know. I think it speaks more towards the conference because uh, it's a tough look for the conference when you're a defending champion and then the second biggest brand in your conference when there is a massive, massive gap between one, two, and then the rest. Uh, that's certainly not a good look when it comes to, to brand value. But um, unfortunately, I think this might be, it, well, it's hopefully not going to be the case with the SEC, but stuff moving to stuff like this is unfortunately sort of the future of of the sport in some ways. We're seeing this. You know, you have to have a million different streaming networks because everyone's signing all these weird deals. Um, you know, everyone's going to have to sign up for Peacock soon to see any Pac-12 action. So, well, do y'all know what um, what the ABC night game is? The Saturday night primetime game, it Alabama. Oh no, it's it, it's actually so wild to me. It's Florida State Miami, which is what awful. And Miami is a stinker of yeah. a team. Four and four Miami hosting five and three oh, Florida Alabama State. Alabama LSU's at ESPN. At, at it's on ESPN okay. though, which is weird because I don't know. Seems like a mistake, but I don't know. I that that I whole do, conversation's for another time, gross. I'm sure. But Ty, Ty what, were you, what were you? Saying? I do want to say I promise we will dive into uh, Baylor a bit here, but I do have a a personal bone to pick against ABC. Um, <laughs> what was our game? We ESPN. had one game. No, we had one game this year that was on on an ABC slot. Um, and I consider the fan experience watching on TV as important, uh, if not more maybe, than the fan experience in person. Because the fan experience watching on TV is the one that you know most OU fans get because uh, not everyone can make it to the game. And then almost everyone that's not an OU fan, they're getting that one. So if you're you're trying to, you know, watch OU and and see us and ABC, I think is, I hate watching games on ABC because ABC crams a commercial into every nook and cranny. I mean, the second that the ball is down, you're going to commercial. If there's a review, you're not getting any analysis. You're not getting any replays. It's going to commercial. 
if there is any sort of pause in the action, immediately go into commercial. And it was infuriating personally. This was, I, I said this earlier when we talked about whatever game it was, we went long on the podcast and I said, I have one more bit and I'm going to save it. Uh, this is it. It's ABC. The fan viewing experience on TV is terrible. It's getting worse on every network as they try to cram more commercials in, but I hate 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 when the OU game is on ABC because then I never get to see you know like we Down talk about with this Mickey Mouse the interception <laughs> yeah I never get to see the you know the interception and oh did he catch it or did he not or is his foot in or isn't it because it's just you see it happen and then it's like oh my goodness I wonder what and then boom you're just watching like Papa John's commercials and those Dr. Pepper commercials and stuff and then you come back and the ball is already like being snapped, like as they cut back, because they have to milk every single like second of of a commercial space. I don't know what seconds are in metric time, if we have any metric fans uh, viewing, but uh, whatever that is in metric time as well. Uh, so, oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> but back to Baylor. I'll start us off with some Baylor analysis. One thing I watched the Baylor game. One thing that worries me with this Baylor team that I think is always a threat against an OU team, really always a threat against everyone. Blake Shapen, Baylor's quarterback, is a guy who can convert on third down specifically with his feet or through the air by extending the play. And I think a quarterback that can extend the play, especially one that that puts a, a legitimate run threat against you, you know, not a crazy run guy, but he doesn't rush like, like Dylan Gabriel does where he's doing like a weird somersault flop slide thing. Uh, Blake Shapin does sort of worry me if, if this game comes down to, you know, really trying to get him off the field on, on third down specifically, because he is a extend the play type threat. Yeah, no, Shapin has been hot and cold for me this year, but I mean, obviously last week was uh, just a bloodletting on the road at, in Lubbock. I think they've finally starting to kind of figure things out a little bit. Uh, and Shapin, you know, he's showing signs of why they picked him over. Um, I can't remember the other guy, but uh, Gary Bohannon <laughs> with a G. South yeah, what, Florida, they, Gary Bohannon. Now with, now with South Florida. Yeah, sorry about that. How else thing. do you spell um, Gary if not with a G? Sorry, wait. Well, no, 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 no. It's it's Gary with an E. It's, it's, right? But it's spelled like Jerry. It's G-E-R-R-Y. Yeah, so that's what it, it is. Kinda, it's kind of confusing. But yeah, the Shapin okay. is, you know, he's a good quarterback. He's He doesn't scare me to a point where it's like, this guy could just slice us up, but he could, you know. Um, I guess I just worded that horribly. I'm not scared that where I know he's going to slice us up. He's not some kind of guy that we've seen from Baylor of quarterback in the past, um, who we know is going to be a complete problem. Um, but he is the type of guy, he's a glue guy who can get it to their skill positions. And what really is the key to stopping Baylor is stopping their run game. And Richard Reese is a hell of a running back. Um, he's been quite the surprise for Baylor fans this year. And with the transition to the four-man front and kind of a simpler defense that we've seen the past couple of weeks, I've been pretty pleased with the way that we've been able to stop the run. So hopefully we can get, you know, shaping in some more pass-obvious situations and hopefully get a couple more turnovers like we've seen the past couple of weeks, which have won us the games. Just imagine that Kansas game with Jason B not turning the ball over twice and imagine, you know, Hunter Decker's not throwing three interceptions. It's completely different. So we got to continue to win the turnover battle, play good coverage in the secondary, and get them in obvious passing downs to turn it over. 
Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. That's that is the key right there. That's been the key to a lot of our games, which is until we get a until we get a pass rush, we have to get interceptions or third down stops because we're not getting sacks anymore on third and long. Yeah, yeah, and that that is something we've kind of struggled with this season is we'll get like right close to him, we just don't close out. Um, But um, no, it's going to be about making that. Baylor offense uncomfortable. Um, apparently, they had no issues at Texas Tech. They were saying like it was a super super easy performance. I, I believe they went in and bashed. Uh, what do you Texas have to Tech say about that, Texas early? Tech fan? As uh, a Texas Tech fan, Bobby, what do you have to say me? about that? I'm not a Texas <laughs> yeah. Tech fan. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a oh. TCU hater here. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I think I we're just... gonna have to bring Blake in on this on Wednesday because it seems oh, no. like you've been a Texas Tech fan for the past oh. couple weeks. Okay, so what is it? Am I a, am I an Oklahoma State plant? Am I a Texas Tech plant? Am I a K- Kansas State plant? I'm what buying the Texas Tech. I... Oklahoma State by blood. Texas first Tech off, by heart. First okay. off, yeah. First <laughs> off, your your connections to Oklahoma State are irrefutable, and the fact that you insider traded on that pick. With Kansas State, knowing what would occur, I did not is very, very suspect. <laughs> what? Very suspect. As a person that is known to have insider information on Oklahoma, I do State. not have anything on. on I will State. say though, Lubbock only seats what like fifty thousand people something or something, like and the the stadium design is not necessarily one that that would create a a super super loud atmosphere. So I know they were excited that their their Heisman winner. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, who won them a national championship, was there because uh, I certainly they wouldn't be excited about six and six seasons. But um, I know they were excited about that, and they were throwing flour tortillas uh, from from Walmart everywhere. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I yeah, I, I'm not too worried about. Uh, okay, no, I'm worried about them. I think this is going to be a really a really good uh, really good test. I, I'm I'm not oh, horrified I'm of their that. offense. And I will say, I don't think their defense is what it has been in the like last year. I think they're still working on rebuilding that. Um, but I will say they did put up a good performance against Texas Tech. You know, I they, was really impressed by their yeah. scheme, Bobby. Because remember how we talked about how you know Baron Morton for Texas Tech had been slicing up defenses, and I was like, wait till Dave Aranda gets a hold of him. He's going to find his weaknesses. What happens? You know, Morton throws what three interceptions? Did not yeah. look good. Eleven for thirty-four. Yeah, not they. They had nothing. You know, we've seen it. Dave Aranda can slice up our offense, and obviously, I have a different different offensive coordinator now. But he shows up and he creates a great schemes. So uh, we should not be sleeping on this Baylor defense, even if they don't have those superstars that we've seen in the past. You know, no Jalen Petrie, I think, has been a huge loss for them this season. A guy who's playing really well in the NFL and was a huge glue guy at safety that I just, by, we always talk about eye tests in this podcast. Man, but did he look like a guy that just was really good on the football field? Um, so, I mean, they're still going to play good scheme and they're going to put us in bad situations. Well, I'm sure we're going to have a lot of times where we're going to have, to, I'm, I'm going to guarantee three or four three and outs. Like, it's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Shoot, Iowa State did that to us, and you know they they are they are a good defense, but you know I, I would say that Baylor's probably definitely better. Um, I don't know. What, just in terms of, just in terms of defenses we've seen so far this season, where do you think Baylor would rank on that list? I I think you'd probably make your argument with Texas and Baylor at the top, 
and I'm not as high of the the Texas defensive thing because that's kind of been a mantra that's started since the Alabama game. But there are so many weird things that happened in the Alabama game. I don't think you can use that as a resume booster. As Ty, as Ty obviously laughs at as well. I think Baylor's, even though they've had some games like West Virginia where it looked like, what the hell was that? Um, they're they're up there. I wouldn't crown them, but um, any game they could be the best defense that we've played. Yeah. It- it could be. It could be. Could be. Um, I don't know. Tell, tell your thoughts on the on yeah. Baylor's defense. Yeah, I, know I, so I, I think that the Texas thing is that Texas has been a very, very, very inconsistent product in what they're going to put out on the field on both sides of the ball. I think the Texas defense that we saw play OU, you could make the argument, is certainly probably the toughest defense that we're going to play all year. I think that was the same defense that we saw against Bama, but that defense has also not been present in some of their other games. So I don't know. I think Baylor is a more consistent product. I think maybe their ceiling, to borrow a term that you guys always like to use, their ceiling is maybe a little bit lower. I think their their maximum defensive performance maybe isn't as good as as Texas when Texas is firing on all cylinders, but Baylor is, is much more consistent. And I did want to touch on real quick um, – that Texas Tech game, you know, the final score was 45-17, but they were 24-17 going into the fourth. And then Baylor scored, got it up 31-17, and then Baylor was just trying to run out the clock. And then they had a pick six uh, that, that brought them up. And then with like, what, like 12 seconds left or something, they were just trying to run it out. Uh, and I think they had to get a first down. They couldn't just knee it. And then Texas Tech just imploded and they scored again without trying to. So that one, that one did get a little bit out of hand at the end. And I think that final score was a little, maybe not indicative of, of that game being a little closer than it was uh, for the majority of the game. But I, I certainly think that, that Baylor is a team uh, to be worried about. I think, I think we've dealt with maybe the worst of our schedule so far, but Baylor, and then again, obviously looking ahead to Oklahoma state, we certainly don't have any, any room to relax, but I, I'm excited for this one. I think it's actually going to be a a good matchup. If, if OU can build on what we've built these past two weeks, because I really even think that the OU performance of, of the past two weeks uh, we've seen a better OU team than we saw at the start of the season, which is just natural. You know, we had some good wins at the start of the season, but uh, we had that that really, really rough patch. But things have started to come together. Um, you know, and our three losses weren't necessarily that bad. Of well, they were bad, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> thankfully, all the all of those teams that have beaten us are are panning out fairly well. So that's that's always good to see. But I, I think that we definitely have the potential to beat Baylor. Uh, even if we play like we did against Iowa State, obviously the defense is, is going to have a much more difficult time, especially against a team that presents a pass and a run threat and a pass threat that's maybe a little bit more competent than Iowa State's is. Well, not not maybe. They, they certainly are a little bit more competent than Iowa State is in the past. But I think that the offense, if they can continue to do what they did against Iowa State, uh, something that we didn't really even touch on in, in the recap is we didn't really have – sure we had a few three and outs but even the times where we had to punt we we were able to string some stuff together uh offensively against Iowa State pretty much every time we touched the ball and I think that's going to be a key when it comes to to this Baylor uh game is I don't think it's necessarily going to be a shootout but I think that obviously you know putting up points as much as you can 
is always what you want to be doing on offense. But I think it's going to be really, really important. And, and this is sort of a, a fringe thing that you'll hear some people say sometimes, but well, it's not French to say that we we can't be going three and out, but I think it, it could be a game deciding factor on the drives that we have to punt on if we have to punt on drives, whether or not they're three and outs or very fast or whether or not we can at least choose some clock, spend some time on the field, give the defense a rest and maybe even play that field position game. I think this might be a game where Michael Turk, our punter, believe it or not, could have a, a game deciding impact in especially the way he's been punting lately. He's been punting really, really well, uh, putting together NFL caliber punts. And if this gets down to a situation where we're playing that field game or that field position battle where, you know, we gain a few yards, they gain a few yards, we're both punting, but eventually, you know, it's starting to get closer and closer. I think that could be a really important factor, especially if this game goes on to, to being close uh, when it gets to the fourth. Yeah. Yeah. Turk has been really good, by the way. I, I fully agree. Um, Jameson, any final thoughts before we uh, close up shop on this one? No, I, I feel like this is another huge test for us. We don't have that long of a leash anymore. Um, so it's it's time to show up. And like I said, if we can get a little bit of that offensive home play call that we saw versus Kansas where it seems like we were pretty electric, and then combine it with that defensive performance that we put against iowa state um hopefully we have a good product on saturday i feel more confident than your normal team because it's just they're such a strong running team that i feel like that's been our strength recently that just makes me feel good inside about this game but it's not going to be a walk in the park at all and i think it's going to have a very similar feel to that iowa state game with a better offensive performance on both sides oklahoma and baylor yeah, I, I think it definitely turns the stress up a little bit, but I'm I'm certainly excited about it. Um, Ty, quick final thoughts? Are you are you uh, good? Close this thing. Out. I had I actually I had a final thought before the Iowa State game. I was like, oh, I think we're gonna win this one. I need to to put in my notes for the Baylor preview uh, to recommend that this would be a good game to go to. But since that Iowa State win, uh, tickets have skyrocketed in price, believe it or not, you, you could have get, I hope if you're in a single, if you're in a single game ticket situation, I hope you bought your tickets prior to the Iowa state win. Cause you could have gotten them for like $30 a piece. Now they're all starting at like 80, 90 a piece. So, uh, people have, have jumped on them with the, the, with the two, the two o'clock and stuff. Yeah. The not two having 11 a.m. Helped. Yeah. <laughs> and but I, and they don't want to pay for ESPN plus either. They can't, they can't watch yeah. it. So. Yeah. Yeah. You can factor in that, that $10 of ESPN plus yeah. as a, a discount for your tickets. But I, I do want to give the pitch that I always give. Uh, if you're on the fence, come on down to, to Norman. It's going to be, I think good weather. I, this is probably shouldn't be saying this cause I have no clue, Ooh, but it's going to be weather, great. Weatherman Bobby. Weather Bobby. It's going to be great weather. It's going to be a great time of year. It's championship November. You know, maybe we're not, good weather. not good weather. Not time. Good weather. Six, what 60 weather? degrees, low of 47 and rainy. 60% chance of precipitation. <laughs> well, so that's hope- good weather to some. Some consider that good weather. In England, that's a bright, sunny day. So, uh, you know, Jameson, Jameson's a NFL and a football in England fan. So that's a, that's an NFL England bright sunny day. That's, that's what um, we call it. Just an interesting. There's places day in Norman to watch the game indoors. You know, we got a great campus corner scene. Come on down. 
to Norman and support the team. I think this is going to be, I think this has potential to be one of the better games of the year. I think we're going to win. I'm firmly confident in that, but I don't think that this is going to be one that's going to be either way for very long during the game. It's at home. It's in Norman. And uh, this could be our game to get to a bowl. I never thought I'd be saying that uh, we are, we're fighting for that bowl slot. So we got to get this one. <laughs> it appears the moon will be at a waxing gibbous at that point in time. That, I don't I think it's what impact that two has o'clock. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't think we need there. to bring Harry Potter stuff into this. Yeah. <laughs> the moon's still there. Gibbous. Even though it's what like astrological sunny, the moon's still hanging out season there. Is it right now? And is this Dylan Gabriel season? Find I out do. next episode to figure out. We, don't don't ooh that. Let's cut us off before we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bobby's like, oh, this is a good segment. We should no, go another thirty minutes. <laughs> we need to bring on a psychic, like you know, just see if they can predict what happens. But I don't know. Anyways, thank you all so much for listening, uh, either live on YouTube or on your podcasting app of choice. Um, we appreciate it. Love hearing your feedback and everything. And uh, always, always a pleasure to get to do this show for y'all. We're going to enjoy this last month of OU football. And uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy that it's flown by, but you know, here we are. So um, pretty nuts, pretty nuts. But for me, Jameson and Ty, this has been the Schooner pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard, and we hope y'all had a good one and you know, Hey, have a good week out there, everybody. Boomer sooner. Boomer sooner. Jesus. Oh, God, I forgot about that. That's our bit.